Let me just tell you a little story, a Christmas story, about my first Christmas gift exchange with my beautiful bride, Corinne. So we started dating in the fall of 2004, and uh, Christmas was coming up very shortly after we began our relationship, and to be honest, I didn't really know what direction our relationship was going to go, right? So uh, don't get me wrong, I was mesmerized by Corinne. I, I thought she was the most beautiful person I'd ever laid eyes on, I still think that, and, and I thought, this girl is way out, out of my league right? So I didn't know how it was that, that I was getting to date her. And so this first Christmas is coming up and I'm thinking, as much as I would love for this relationship to go, it's probably not going to. And, and I'm a broke college kid with no money. And I'm thinking, do I really want to sink a lot of money that I don't have into a relationship that's probably not going to last? So first Christmas, together as a couple, and I, I played it safe, I went cheap, I bought Corinne a heart-shaped um, picture frame as our first, oh, everything. Corinne bought me a fossil watch. <laughs> Misfire, right? <laughs> I made up for it at Valentine's Day, but you know, I just wasn't really sure that first Christmas how things were going to work out, and Fourteen years later, we've been married 12, almost 12 years. We have four amazing kids, and God worked it all out. But, but thinking about Christmas gifts, what's the best Christmas gift that you have ever given? Not the best one you've ever gotten, but the best one you've ever given. You know that gift that's like the perfect gift for that person at that time in their life. They, you, you, you gave it to them, and their eyes just like lit up and their face had a huge smile on it and you're thinking this is it this was the perfect gift this Christmas what is that best Christmas gift ever that you have given and when you think about Christmas shopping how do you go about it like how do you pick out gifts for people I'm terrible at Christmas shopping I'm just not it's not how I'm wired but but especially if you think about someone that already has everything Right? Most of us probably know someone that already has everything. They don't need anything. They don't want anything. They already have everything. It's like, how do you buy a Christmas gift for that person? How do you get somebody who has everything a gift that matters? What is it that you give to that? How do you do, go about that? What's the best Christmas gift you've ever given? How do you buy gifts for people? That whole concept of giving gifts at Christmas is something we're going to talk about tonight. In the the Christmas story, the part of the story that we're looking at tonight, we're going to see the first Christmas gifts that were ever given. So most of us, uh, we we give gifts at Christmas and we think uh, the reason why we give gifts at Christmas is because God gave us the best gift ever. He gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, to save us, right? And and so we, we say, we celebrate and we give each other gifts at Christmas because God gave us the best gift ever. But there's other gifts that are given in the Christmas story. And so tonight, we're going to look at the first Christmas gifts that were ever given to Jesus. And in your Bibles, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 2, I think as we look at this story together, we'll discover the answer to this question. What is the greatest 
Christmas gift that you can give? What is the greatest gift you can give this Christmas? We look at the wise men and the gifts that they gave to Jesus uh, on that Christmas. What's, I think we'll, we'll find the answer. What's the greatest gift? We can learn from their example. So if you find in your Bibles Matthew chapter 2, Matthew is in the New Testament. Bibles have Old Testament, New Testament. So the New Testament is kind of like the last third of the really thick book. And Matthew's the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the order of those first few books. Matthew chapter 2, we'll start with verse 1. And this is the part of the Christmas story that we commonly know as We Three Kings. How many of you ever sang that Christmas song when you were a kid? We three kings of Orient are, right? So that's that, that song comes from this story. Matthew chapter 2, let's pick it up in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw His star when it rose and have come to worship Him. First thing we have to ask is, what in the world are magi? Right? I thought they were three wise men. What is this magi thing? Well, magi is just a, a, the, the fancy word for wise men. That's all it means. And these were, uh, in fact, it's a word similar to the word magician. So these were wise people. They studied the stars. They studied the signs. They, they were... Uh, advisors and counselors and they mixed potions and they did all kinds of interesting things and they were called magi and they were not Jewish but they knew what was happening in among God's people they were not Israelites they weren't from Israel they didn't grow up worshiping the God of Israel and yet as they studied the stars and as they knew about things in the world and they were scholars and they studied different traditions and philosophies and religions and they knew that when this star rose, something special was happening. And as they searched through and researched and studied, they discovered this star foretold the promised Messiah, the King of the Jews. And so they come to Jerusalem to meet this great King, to see what God is doing. And I think it's really interesting that non-Jewish people, that Gentiles who didn't know God were more in tune with what God was doing than some of God's own people, as we see in verse 3. When King Herod, King Herod was the king of the Jews at that time, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. See, isn't it ironic that King, King Herod is the king of Israel. He is the king of the Jews. The king of God's people. And he doesn't even know what God is doing among God's own people. That, that people who were outside were more in touch with and more in tune with what God was doing than God's own people were. And sometimes that is so true of us. As Christians, we get like secluded in our little Christian bubble and our little Christian circles and we do our Christian things and our little church things and we have our little routines and our rituals and we, sometimes we get, we get so caught up in our own agendas and our own things that we totally miss what God is doing in the world. King Herod 
was not in tune with God's plan. So the Magi come to Jerusalem and they ask him about where the Messiah is. And King Herod is disturbed by this. And he, he calls up his priests and his teachers of the law. He asks them where the Messiah is to be born. In verse 5, they, they respond, In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Now they quote the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That prophecy was made about Jesus hundreds of years before He was born. Verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Now this is really, really ironic. Because Herod had no intention of worshiping Jesus. Not only was the king of God's people out of tune with what God was doing in the world, but now he is plotting and planning to actively work against God's plan of salvation. The king of God's people is going to resist God's plan to save the world. The reason why Herod wanted to know when the baby was born is not, be, not so that he could come and worship him. It's so that he could go to Bethlehem and kill every child under a certain age. So that he could wipe out God's Messiah who was prophesied to be the king of the Jews. Because Herod didn't want God's son to be king. He wanted his son to be king. So the ruler of God's people is out of touch with God's plan and has a, a, his own plan to actively work against what God is doing in the world. Pick it up in verse 9. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the story of the first gifts that were given at Christmas. And as we look at this story together tonight, we'll learn how we can give the greatest gift this Christmas. First observation I want to make from this story, who did the Magi give their gift to? Who did the Magi give their gift to? Yeah, loosen up guys, it's okay. Jesus, right? The Magi gave their greatest gifts to Jesus. They opened their treasures and gave Him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very valuable gifts in that time period. They gave their greatest gifts to Jesus to celebrate His birth. To celebrate His birthday, we might say, in our language. And that's, that's how we are too, right? When it's somebody's birthday, we give them gifts. My youngest son, Graham, turned two on December 20th. So we just celebrated his second birthday. 
I didn't give gifts to Corinne on Graham's birthday. She didn't give gifts to me. We gave gifts to Graham on his birthday. That's what the gift of the birthday is all about. So, so the Magi, celebrating Jesus' birth, they give birth, uh, Christmas gifts to Jesus. And here's the thing. If the Magi gave their greatest gift to Jesus, we should give our greatest gift to Jesus. I think it's wonderful that we give each other gifts at Christmas to, to celebrate the gift God has given to us. But have you ever stopped to think about whose birthday are we celebrating on Christmas? birthday of Christ. Well, who do we give gifts to on their birthday? The person whose birthday it is. So why shouldn't we give gifts to Jesus at Christmas? Yes, give them to each other. Enjoy that. But let's give a gift, the greatest gift, to Jesus. Because Christmas is all about Him and His birth and celebrating Him. But here's the question. If I'm going to give a gift to Jesus, what can I give to Him? Right? What can you give to somebody who already has everything? Jesus is God. God owns the universe. He created the universe. He sustains the universe. He, everything in the universe belongs to Him. So how do you give a gift to somebody who already has everything? Psalm chapter 50 Verse 9 says this. This is God speaking. He says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. God doesn't need anything from us. So how can we give the greatest gift to Him? What can we give Him? Well, I think there is one thing that God may not have from some of us in this room. And that is your heart. What is the greatest gift that you can give this Christmas? The greatest gift you can give is to give yourself to the Lord. The best Christmas present ever is to give your life to Christ. You can give yourself to Jesus. What does that mean? I love it when pastors say like church-sounding things like give your life to Christ, but what does that actually mean in everyday land? It means this. Jesus is my King. It's to respond to Him the same way that the Magi did. Not like King Herod, who was out of touch with God's plan for the world, who was actively working against God's plan to the world so that he could preserve his own power and his own kingdom and his own identity. No, that's not what it means to give your life to Christ. To give your life to Christ is to come, to be overjoyed in His presence, to fall down and worship Him as your God and your Savior and your King. It's to acknowledge that He is the Lord of your life. And it's to live your life for Him every day. That's what it means to give your life to Jesus. That is the greatest gift. Here's something that's really cool. Jesus gives your life back to you. 
See, if you come and you give your life to Christ, you don't have to clean it up first. You don't have to make it perfect first. You don't have to fix all your problems first. You can bring your life, warts and all, and you can give it to Jesus. And He'll take the good parts and the bad. He'll take the the shiny parts and the broken parts. He'll take the messed up parts, the dark parts that you don't want anybody else to know, the parts that you hide from other people. He will take all of that and He'll bring healing. And He'll bring new life. And He'll bring peace like you've never had before. And He'll bring joy like you've never known before. And He'll give you hope even in the midst of the darkest night. Jesus will take everything in your life and He will make it new. He will give you a meaning and a purpose that you've never experienced before. He will put a calling on your life. And He takes your life and He makes it new and He fixes it and He heals it and He restores it and He redeems it and then He hands it back to you. And He says, now, live this life for Me. When you give your life to Christ, He gives it back. He makes it new. And He gives it back. And He calls us to follow Him. The greatest gift you can give this Christmas is to give yourself to the Lord. Will you give that gift? If you're a person who has already given your heart to Christ, you already belong to Jesus. I think probably every single one of us that are in that camp, we've, we already belong to Jesus. We've decided a long time ago to make Him our Lord and Savior. And yet, every one of us, myself included, have areas of our life that we have not given to the Lord. Areas of our life that we have held back from Him. If that's where you find yourself this morning, the gift that you can give in giving yourself to the Lord is to, to find one of those areas one of those corners of your heart that you've kept hidden from Christ and to give it to Him. To make Him Lord over all. And there are some people in this room who have never made the decision to give their life to Christ. You've never given your heart and your mind and your soul to Him. You've never made Him the foundation of your life and the fundamental reason for your existence. You've never made Him your King and your God. But you've gone your own way and you've done your own thing and you might have punched the church card every now and again but Jesus isn't really the Lord of your life if that's where you're at this this evening you can give your life to Christ it's really really simple just involves confessing your sin asking for his forgiveness repenting which means to turn away from that sin and asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And I wonder if anybody would like to make that decision tonight. I don't normally do this, but I think it would be appropriate if we could just have every head bowed and every eye closed. Wherever you find yourself, whether you're somebody that has already given their life to Jesus, but has hidden back certain areas of yourself, or whether you're somebody who's never really made that decision to make Jesus your God. Maybe you've never been in church. Maybe you've been in church a hundred times. 
but you've never really let Jesus be the Lord of your life, whichever end of that spectrum that you find yourself on or anywhere in between, if you would like to give the greatest gift this Christmas, to give yourself to the Lord, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking. Every head's bowed. If you are, you could put your hands down. If you're wanting to give your heart to Christ for the very first time tonight, it's simple. You can pray a prayer, something like this. There's, no, there's nothing magic about the words. It's the meaning. And it's being sincere in your heart. But you can pray something like this. Lord, I confess that I have not lived my life for you every day. I have gone my own way. I have done my own thing. I have been my own person. Sometimes I have resisted your plan and your call on my life like Herod did. Most times I've been out of tune with what you're doing in the world like Herod was. I confess that sin. And Lord, I ask your forgiveness. It's my desire to repent from that sin, to turn away from it and follow Jesus. And I trust that because you died on the cross, that your blood covered my sin and made me clean. And through your resurrection, I can have eternal life. And I can follow you every day. I choose to believe and receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your Holy Spirit that fills my heart and my life. Amen. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. If you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, please come and talk to me or somebody sitting next to you or anybody. Tell them about your decision. We'd love to help you take the next step in your faith. We're coming to the end of our service and when you belong to Jesus, you have a light shining in you. Jesus is the light of life. And He gives that light to us when we give our hearts to Him. So as we sing Silent Night, everybody, most of you should have a candle. I'm going to light this and we're going to pass the candles. You know, that classic Christmas tradition. And uh, let's stand. We're going to sing Silent Night together. And these candles symbolize the light of life that is Christ in us. Let's sing.
This light is the light of Christ, and everyone who belongs to Him has a light shining in you. We could just raise our candles up. Hear this benediction from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine this Christmas. Go in peace. Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen.